It's locked on Horn Frogs. TCU has a chance to go to the college ball playoff. They need to win one more game. They might need to win zero games. They're twelve and zero. They beat Iowa State. As Josh Newton said, "We ride together, we die together. Bad boys for life. Let's do it." You are locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, it is Locked On Horn Frogs. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're creeping up on 300 YouTube subscribers. And if I get 300 YouTube subscribers, it doesn't really mean anything. Maybe it will make me feel better about myself temporarily. But it'd still be a cool thing for you know to happen. So maybe do that if you want to, or you can it's subscribe. Ni- it's a nice round number, your, yeah. you know. Or yeah, nice round number. Um, it's a good it's a good goal to have. So we're we're working towards that. I think we're at two seventy five at the moment. Uh, I have Matt Jennings with me, and Matt, I don't I can't remember. So I had TCU going seven and five before the year. Um, did you put a prediction in your preview article, or what was the, sort of your like a range of, of record that you were thinking for the season. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking eight and four regular season would be like choice, would be great. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think the way, to your point, like like seven, eight wins, I think was where a lot of people were kind of feeling. And um, they got more than that. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They're 12 and 0. Um, they are on the cusp of a 13 and 0. Big 12 championship season, a lock to be in the college ball playoff if they win against Kansas State on Saturday, who will be playing in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. Uh, shout out to my guy, Jesus, who has commented consistently pretty much all year long that they were going to go 13 and 0, be Big 12 champs. And uh, Jesus, I, I did not believe that until maybe, like, I started to kind of believe it after the K State game. I really started to believe it after the Texas win. And now here we are. They got to finish the job, but they got one more to go. Shout out to Zoom Play, who's also been saying the same thing. You guys, you, you're close to being dead on. And I, uh, even like midway through the year, I didn't think this was possible. But they beat Iowa State 62 to 14. And it was impressive. I mean, Iowa State finishes the year four and eight, uh, but their defense is really salty. And they actually had played a lot of teams um, super competitively, you know, throughout the season. Uh, had a lot of one-score losses. So it was significant that they got that done. But I guess, you know, as we sit here today, 12-0, and Matt. I mean, we've seen some great TCU football teams. Like, we were up close and personal with the 2014 and 2015 teams, um, and they they couldn't do that. They are really, really good, but they couldn't quite get to 12-0. and Obviously, the Rose Bowl team did it, but this is a heck of an accomplishment by Sonny Dykes and his staff. And I did not see it coming at all. No, it was completely out of left field, unexpected. I, I, this was not anywhere close to on the radar for, for me or for you, I think for most people, except for Jesus and Zoom Play, shout out, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that this was even within the realm of possibility. And um, they're not done yet, obviously. They They – you know, they're, they're very much, you know, Sonny Dykes um, has been a broken record all, all year about being like, hey, do your job, 
hey, focus on this week, focus on this opponent, um, you know, they be be 1-0 this week, the whole, like, very cliche coach speak stuff, but it's working, so don't mess with it. And, um, but yeah, to get to this point, they're the first team to go 9-0 and in, um, uh, in Big 12 play since Oklahoma mm. in 2016. The first Big 12 team to start 12-0 and since Texas in 2009. And um, they have the opportunity to be the first team to go undefeated in the round-robin format. And they had the opportunity to be the first 10-0 team in Big 12 play ever because um, they would be the first team to go undefeated in round robin and win a conference championship game if they're able to beat K-State. So, like, lots of history possibly being made. Um, it would be, like... I know people, we wax back about this. Like, I think Gary Patterson deserves a ton of credit for create like building a roster that was built yes. to do this. So mm-hmm. we need to give him and the previous staff a ton of credit. And we need to give Sonny Dykes and his staff a ton of credit for unlocking potential in a roster that had not been tapped to this point. Like to your point, coming into this season, nobody would have thought that 12 and 0 was on the table for a team that had averaged about six wins a season for the past four years. Um, they, I mean, they, they, people talk about the, the, I think they brought in in total like 20 transfer portal guys, but they've really only got like three guys who are in, in, uh, in Mark Perry, Josh Newton, and Alana Lee, who are like contributing significantly. Um, other than that, like it's all really the same guys. And it's really, really impressive that they've been able to completely unlock what this team's capable of. Um, I, I, I'm I'm kind of speechless about it, honestly. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe the turnaround that it's been because I mean they were five and seven in last year, and so they didn't completely fall off the face of the earth. And yeah, you do have to give Gary credit. There was a lot of talent on this roster, um, and I think there was still like a culture, at least enough of a culture of accountability that when someone else came in and sort of pushed it to a new level. You didn't have guys just jumping off the ship and saying, this is so foreign to me that, like, I can't handle it and I don't want to be part of it. Um, but they got blown out a lot last year, too. I mean, West Virginia embarrassed them at home. Um, obviously, like, the last game of the GP era, the K-State game, was a laugher. They got rolled by Oklahoma State on on the road after an emotional win against Baylor. They got beat by Iowa State in the last game of the season. So this was a, a massive just 180 um, from the 2021 campaign. And I think what impressed me the most about the game Saturday, it was a very business-like approach. I mean, they just got after it, jumped on them early. Um, I'm guilty of this sometimes. I don't always dig into the numbers enough. I'm just kind of like someone who watches and kind of feels things out. But it really seemed to me like the offense the last month, I would say maybe since the West Virginia game, had been kind of in a rut. They were still getting big plays, and they were still scoring points. But from an efficiency standpoint, it just wasn't there. And it seemed like Saturday was, you know, the best they had played in a while. They were sustaining drives. They were able to run the football, throw the football, kind of do whatever they wanted. And it looked like the offense we saw the first six weeks of the season. So um, I, I think that's pretty huge, Matt, because they need – I mean, they need that identity back. I know they've won a lot of different ways, 
but they're going to have to score points against the likes of K-State and insert playoff opponent or New Year's Six opponent um, in the future because as much as the defense has improved, I just – I think they have to sustain drives and put the ball in the end zone to win these games down the stretch here. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that this was their most complete game in – yeah, most complete game in like a month in terms of both the offense and defense, both delivering um, the offense. I agree with you. They really took off, took their foot off the gas in the second half, obviously. Um, but I think on the whole, yeah, they were, they were more, um, they were, they, they weren't just getting chunk plays. Oh, they were, oh, they were able to get that too, which is the impressive thing. You know, they came to this Iowa State best defense in the Big Twelve probably like one of the top 10 defenses in the country you can make an argument for one of the uh, one of the best period and the whole conceit of their defense is um refusing to allow those big plays and so i thought that was a really big possible mismatch for tcu coming into this game was that they could pull tcu into a rock fight because um tcu was so reliant on those big plays to be able to move the ball, and if Iowa State forced them and said no, you have to move, you have to move down the field methodically against us. Um, that TCU wasn't going to be able to do it. Now TCU got helped out a lot. They got um, because of turnovers or uh, special teams plays. They got a bunch of short fields, which I think helped them out a lot. Um, so that's something to certainly take into account. But I agree that they were they hit some of those big chunk plays. The the, the first touchdown to Spivey was one of them. Um, but they were able to just move the ball. Um, consistently and efficiently and uh, get the points that they needed. They obviously got help from the defense as well. Um, and that's what I'm talking about being the probably the most balanced game um, because the, the defense really helped them out a ton against Texas um, or against Texas Tech. The offense really kind of got things done uh, in, a, in, in clutch time against Baylor. Um, and for them to put it all together um, against a team that, at least on defense, was one of the best in the conference, um, really, really impressive, and it's good to kind of head into the postseason, kind of hitting your stride again on offense after having some, some, some clunkers there um, against against Tech and against Texas. So, um, I, I, you know, Sonny said it earlier this week. Um, his team, like usually, you're at this point in the season, and your team feels worn down and um, you know feels beat up, and he and he was talking about like they feel. This is a team that feels energized, that feels good, that feels the best it's felt all season, which is exactly where you want to be heading into a huge program, possibly program-defining game against Kansas State on Saturday where you get a chance to get your first outright sole possession conference title since joining the Big 12. You know, co-champions in 2014, claimed co-champions, the whole deal. But you get to solely claim conference title for the first time since joining the league you get a chance to get yourself into the playoff for the first time um after being in the hunt a couple times over the years get mm-hmm. a chance to actually get in that picture and um being able to really um set the tone for the sunny dykes era i have no idea what expectations for that for them should be kind of going forward and that sounds that that's something we can absolutely talk about um later on and in the off season and stuff about like what is you know <laughs> expectations after this season right um but they for them to be heading into the biggest game in you know recent memory for the school um and for that all of their goals to be in front of them 
And having played 10 straight games without a break, heading into game 11 with no buys, no off weeks, and them to be playing some of their best football, for them to be on the whole relatively healthy, you feel good about Kendra Miller and, and Darius Davis and Quentin Johnson being available this week, and for them feel, just to be feeling good, um, huge. And, um, and then you're going to be able to get, I guess it'll end up being like three weeks of rest uh, to kind of recuperate and recover before, um, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or a playoff game if you're lucky enough to make that. So um, I think you feel good about where you're at. Um, you still got work to do, but I think you feel good at the moment. So we, we talked earlier about the logic-defined turnaround I've had this year. Um, let's talk about something else that's just kind of dumbfounding to say out loud. Barring some sort of collapse, I think Max Duggan's going to be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, which is wild. I mean, Max was not the starter at the beginning of the year. I would say the first three years of his career, he had some high highs, but I think his ceiling seemed to be serviceable to good Power 5 quarterback who could win you some football games. And now he is... I mean, behind Caleb Williams, it seems like the consensus number two player in the country right now. Um, I, I thought he played great against Iowa State. He had a ball to Jordan Hudson in the back of the end zone that he's absolutely ripped. And, like, you, you've seen the arm talent in the past, but the way he's put it together this year has just been absolutely insane. Like, it, it is crazy that – he's going to do something now potentially that, you know, like the likes of Josh Doxson or Trey Boykin or even LT haven't done, which is get himself in the conversation to win the Heisman trophy. I don't think he'll win it, but he'll at least be there on that Saturday night, you know, in the second week of December talking about his season and talking about the TCU program. Yeah. You know, the latest odds you look at, depending on where you look, it's um, Caleb Williams is runaway favorite right now. Um, which is fine and deserved, and you know, what a shock for a Lincoln Riley coached quarterback to 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 be in that situation. And I think barring Utah just like taking USC's lunch on Saturday, I think it's his it's his award to lose. Um, but it's Caleb. It's um, and then after him, it's some combination of Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, who was the betting favorite for most of the season, um, and and Stetson Bennett <laughs> sneaking in there at the uh, at the end, right? Um, uh, and, uh, I think it'll be some combination and, and they, this is something that I, I didn't always know. So if anyone is curious about it, there's not like a mandate on how many players make it to New York. It's not like that it's always the top three or it's always the top five or whatever. It's based on, um, it's based on like the number of points you get in the voting. And so it's basically like the three or four or five players who are kind of like in a tier above the rest of the vote recipients um, that are kind of like separate in a separate kind of tier um, in terms of how many points they ended up in the final tally. Um, those are the guys who get there. And so to that point, I think Duggan to your point will, will be one of those guys, um, especially since unlike CJ Stroud, he's going to be playing this weekend and he's got a chance to kind of bolt, bolster his resume. And um, as will Stetson Bennett, as will Caleb Williams. And so, like, you get a chance to get um, a, a good last impression with the voters mm -hmm. before they before they send in their ballots. Some voters do send in their ballots before conference championship weekend, which is 
mind boggling to me. The Heisman is kind of a, a weird award to even uh, 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 predict or think about or, or talk about yeah. anyway, but, but no, it's, it's going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, the narrative is different every year. I never would have thought that he could do no. this. Um, no. Like you and I were talking about, you know, last year and even heading into this season, like, Oh, like Chandler needs to be the guy. Chandler Morris needs to be the guy. And we've been proven like super, super wrong. I agree with you on like on Saturday, like he's like, he's making like, he's ripping the ball into windows the way he's never done before. He's making throws with anticipation. He's making good decisions. He's throwing the ball with an accuracy and like ball placement, which was my biggest criticism of them earlier on in the year was that his ball placement still wasn't great. He wasn't leading receivers well. And he's improved on that even in season. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, to you, like, that's probably the thing to me is like the ball placement and the anticipation, but like, it's like what stands out to you, I think, is that's the thing that you've seen him grow the most, even this year. That's a good question. I, I mean, I think it's, it, it might just be confidence. Like he's always had the intangibles. I mean, I think like you, you go down the list of the things that he is. Um, and I feel like the the team responds to him really well. Like that was, that was kind of the one thing that I held out when I was projecting who the starter was going to be. I thought it would be Chandler, but the one reason I sort of held out for Max was because Sonny kept saying that that was a big part of the decision was how, you know, the team kind of rallied around the guy. And I I just felt that Max probably had a better finger on the pulse of the football team because he had been there longer and he had won more games. Um, but yeah, I, I think the pocket awareness maybe too. Like he's just I go back to the the Baylor drive, right? Um they he had the ball, no timeouts, 90 seconds, and he didn't look phased at all. And like I think there were times in Max's career where I don't know if the moment would be too big for him, but I feel like the emotion would kind of take over and he would try to do too much and try to win the game himself. And, you know, that first throw to Tay, like, he's stepping up, he's sliding over. And if you listen, like, there's a really good segment in the Carter Boys episode from last week where he breaks down the final drive. And, of course, in hindsight and in retrospect, I'm sure it's easy for him to talk through it. But, like, he's he's going through his progressions just off the top of his head. And you can see he's like, okay, we're in this four-verts concept we like, and so I have – my first options here and, and save you like Savion's run this route and Tay's run this route. And all of them have like different options. It's not like, you know, junior high football where it's like, okay, button hook, we're going to run seven yards and then turn around. Um, it, it's about feeling the coverages and he just seems to have a really good handle on all that. But I mean, it, it's wild the way, like if, if you told me before the year, that Max was a starter and they had a successful season. Like they had between like seven and nine wins with him as QB one. In my mind, it would have been like, okay, he's probably using his legs a lot. And they found a way to make him a more serviceable passer by using a lot of quick passes and getting the ball in the hands of their receivers and getting yards off the catch. And that's not the ca- that's not really the case at all. I mean, like he hasn't really run the ball in the designed run game much since like the Oklahoma game. I mean, they've been 
they've been super selective with it. Like someone yeah. post, someone I saw someone tweet his his yardage total for the year, his rushing yardage total, which obviously it's, it's not sack adjusted, which is dumb. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, un unadjusted for sacks, his rushing total for the year is like two hundred ninety yards, which is wild. Um, yeah. you you uh, coming into the season, uh, to your point, I would have thought he would have been closer to like you know five fifty six hundred yards for the season, and um. Yeah, and, and and so they haven't been using him that way. He, they've been using him in, you're like, hey man, like we trust you to throw the ball downfield, which he had never really been trusted to do before, um, unless it was like a fade down the sideline to Quentin. Um, and yeah. he's he's getting a lot more trust. And you point to the Baylor drive. I think the 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 point where I was like, oh man, like this is a major growth moment, maturity moment for him, was against Texas Tech, and it was his touchdown pass. To Darius Davis on a game on on a on a in a game on a day when he had not been playing well and they had they had like hassled him all day um, and the pass rush had been really getting to him. Tyree Wilson had just been, you know, just mm-hmm. m- making the offensive line's life miserable all day, right? And despite all that, getting sacked, you know, uh, yeah, turnovers on downs and things like that, he in a crucial moment with pressure in his face um, up the middle um, makes a throw to Darius Davis in a window against zone coverage, which he like, he does not throw as well against zone coverage historically as he does against man, because he, when he's throwing against man, he's just like, he's trusting Quentin or, or Darius or Tay or somebody to just mm-hmm. like win a one-on-one matchup. And he throws the ball with anticipation to a spot that Darius is going to between you know, in the gap between four different defenders with a chance to get the ball and then continue forward and move forward into the end zone with a hand in his face as he's about to get hit. And it's just like, that's something that never, ever, 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 ever would have happened in the last three years. And um, that was the moment I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is a different player this year. Um, And the numbers reflect that. TCU's record reflects that. And again, he's got a chance to, to build on that further um, this week against Kansas State. And quickly, one more thing about the offense and kind of last week. So Jordan Hudson had two touchdowns, which was a fun thing that happened. We, I mean, we've seen him a significant amount this year, but that was kind of a game against a Big 12 opponent where he stood out. Um, the skill position guys next season, I, I don't know. Like, it's going to be fun. I, I don't really know what to expect from them. But Jordan Hudson, like Major Everhart, potentially Cordell Russell. We'll kind of see what it looks like when he gets on DJ, campus. DJ Allen from this year as well. Yeah, DJ Allen. Maybe Blair Conright gets back in um, the mix a little bit. I know he's been, you know, he's been starting at the outside spot when Quentin's been out. And, and then, Savion still. And Savion, yeah, Savion has been better lately. Like looks um, like he's more in control. Is making tough contested catches. Uh, Obviously, we don't really know how the QB is going to play out. But, I mean, I can say – I think Max is – what do you think, Matt? I think Max is probably gone. I, I feel like if, if he things parti- play out – He like participated in senior day on Saturday. Yeah. And, like, I'm not sure what kind of NFL future he has, but I, I can tell you his draft stock's never going to be higher than it is right now, in my opinion. Sure. And so, yeah, no, like, go and, – and he's accomplished – after this season, he will have accomplished everything that – he could have possibly wanted to accomplish at TCU, regardless of how this season ends. Like he can, he can leave knowing that he, he, he hit the milestones and the goals that he would have wanted to. Right. So no, I agree. I think, I think, 
I don't think we get year. I guess it would be year five. five. Um, year five. Yeah. It feels like year six or seven, but year five of Max Duggan. I think he is. Yeah, this is a, a a perfect ending to the story that he's he's been writing for himself at TCU. So yeah, I think he's gone. And then yeah, it's 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 is it Chandler Morris? Is it Sam Jackson? Do you get a guy in the portal? Um, which are all interesting options. Um, sorry, I'm stepping on your point. I don't know. I, I'm a no, no, that's fine. I don't, I don't I like know this. what I don't know what you're doing in that position next year either. Yeah, I'm not sure. It it'll be fascinating. My in my my point was just really like, I'm excited to see some of these guys with potential under a new coaching staff to kind of see how they develop. But um, it was cool to see Jordan break out in that way. I, before we go, a couple things. So, one, I won't ask you to, like, make a pick right now or anything like that, but just your initial thoughts. I don't know. It's a weird It's a weird situation. Um, I think, like, both of these teams probably think that they left some meat on the bone in the first matchup. And so I don't know who necessarily has the advantage in the rematch, but what are kind of your initial thoughts on K-State and TCU matching back up in the conference title game? I think, I think we talked about this on the pod um, a, a couple weeks ago. I think Will Howard is the best passer that they've probably faced this season. Um, I feel pretty good saying that. Maybe not the best quarterback. That's probably Spencer Sanders. Um, but in terms of like the best passer who could um, maybe exploit some of the weaknesses that we've seen in the TCU defense, um, it's Will Howard. And so he. And so like I think they've got a chance to do some damage. K State does this uh, this week because of that. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn is an incredible player, um, ext- extremely explosive. Um, and so that, those are things that you got to watch out for. And they have a pass rush and a defense that is one of the better ones in the conference. So I think um, K-State can match up well, pretty well, with TCU. Um, and at the same time, I think I'll, I would point to two things that I think make me lean toward TCU um, you know, handling their business in this game. One being you're coming into the game preparing for Will Howard, which you did not mm-hmm. the last time. Adrian Martinez was the guy coming into, into the, the last matchup. They spent all, all their game prep all week getting ready for Adrian Martinez, and then they end up facing Will Howard and had to make a lot of in-game adjustments to the way K-State was calling the game with Howard was very different than they would have been calling it with Martinez, right? So I think that plays into it. With a full week of prep for Howard rather than having to do it on the fly – I think you have a chance to put together a game plan that works better. That's the first thing. The second thing being when Will Howard came in, they had that stretch from like late first half, late first quarter through kind of like the end of the second quarter or, or close to the end of the second quarter where, you know, they score three quick touchdowns and um, they kind of get out to that early 28 to 10 lead. But outside of that, I don't know, let's call it 12 minutes of game time, something like that, maybe 15 minutes of game time. TCU kind of controlled the remainder of the game, both in the, uh, you know, in the first quarter before Martinez went out and then, um, uh, and then it completely in the second half. Right. And so that to me speaks to, okay, maybe one team won in a sprint, but over the course of larger sample size, the um, TCU won out. And I think as the sample size gets even larger with another 60 minutes, at least, on Saturday, I think the the 
that that favors TCU if they are able to um, if if it's just a matter of like it comes down to one drive or it comes down to to one possession uh, maybe an overtime or something um, you know obviously anybody can beat anybody but I think um, matchup wise talent wise coaching wise I trust TCU over the course of sixty minutes probably a little bit more um, than K State K State's had a phenomenal year they're a top twelve team they're really really good I'm not I'm not in, in, uh, impugning them at all um, but I think the way that game flow happened in the first game makes me feel good about playing the same opponent again if I'm TCU. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on a lot of that. I think it, it's going to be fascinating because I, I feel like both teams are probably really confident going into it. But once the bullets start flying, you know, who has the advantage? And I think TCU has an ma- advantage in a lot of matchups in this game. We'll have plenty of coverage of it this week. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, your team.